Mardi Gras New Orleans is probably the greatest moral embarrassment to the United States of America, in my opinion. You have a million people that come from all over the world, you get crazy, drunk, naked, weird, perverted, and insane. And the police do very little besides try to contain it. Uh, and this crowd, it's interesting to realize that these people, that these folks that come there, church, Christianity, and Jesus is about as far away from their mind as you can think. And yet, we took 125 people with us this year. And in three days, they personally, this was not a crusade setting with a massive altar call. Within three days, they prayed individually with over 1,700 people. They get saved, they get healed, they get their lives right with God to recommit for various needs. They, you had to go in and, and encounter people, and they would engage with you, and then they open their heart in life. Don't you tell me he can't do it. If God can do something like that in probably one of the most ungodly, unchristlike, perverted atmospheres in the United States, why not here? Why not where you live? Why not where God has placed us? This morning, I'd like to talk to you. And if you wanted a title for it, I would call it Christians for Today. But I want to share with you what is probably the verse that is really the cornerstone of my own ministry philosophy. I've been in ministry for 53 years. I started when I was six months, not quite. <laughs> but I got saved the day I was saved. I, got, I went into ministry the day I was saved. That's the day God called me, the day God launched me into telling people about Jesus Christ out of a parking lot in Kansas. Romans 8, 19 says this, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. This has become a cornerstone of my thinking. Now, I know the great biblical scholars like your pastor. Basically, there's always a future tense attached to this verse, but I see a very present tense. You see, here's the great news. The world that you and I live in People are eagerly and expectantly. How many of you know what eager expectation is? Uh, waiting for church to stop so you can have lunch. I understand that. I had to throw that out on Sunday morning. But that the world that we live in, you see, I look at Mardi Gras, people go, why do you go there? I said, I've discovered two things about the people that come. Number one, they're either running from something. Number two, they're searching for something. So that puts them in a great position to hear something. And the world that you and I live in, my friends, people are eagerly waiting for somebody like you to show up. They are looking for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed, to show up in everyday life. Not a reasonable facsimile, but the real deal. How many of you believe you're the real deal in Jesus' name? Amen. Somebody somewhere is waiting for you. Believe it or not. In keeping with that thought, I want to look at three words with you here today that I think can deepen our understanding and purpose. We are in the world, aren't we? But we're not of it. We are, Jesus told us that we are sent out as sheep amongst wolves, but we're still under the watch and care and direction of the great shepherd. We're to be insulated, but not isolated. Martin Luther said this. He said, if you preach the gospel in all aspects with the exception of the issues which deal specifically with your time, you're not preaching the gospel at all. So today, my goal and my desire, my prayer is that I can bring the gospel to you here today in the word from the Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask for your help. In and of myself, I have very little to offer, but Holy Spirit, speak. I have words, but Lord, bring your word to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Martin Luther's statement leads me to the first word I want to look at with you. It's a word we've used so often. It's the word relevance. Now, Relevance means to appropriate to the current time, period, or circumstances of contemporary interest. 
without a doubt, to be a Romans 8.19 people. We should be that way. Uh, how many of you have heard of the sons of Issachar? First Chronicles 12.32, the sons of Issachar. They understood the times. You know, I get a lot of folks say, well, this is what time it is. Well, I like what the sons of Issachar had going for them. They also knew what to do. Friends, we are alive as Mordecai told Esther for such a time as this. It's important and imperative that we speak to and address the things that are touching people's lives today. I mean, my mind just goes crazy when you think of what's happening today. I have to stop myself. The things that we read about, the things that we see. When I saw a drag queen hired as a youth pastor. (laughs) And we laugh. But how can a church in America hire that and do that and claim to be even semi-quasi-Christian? Are you kidding me? Mordecai told Esther, you're here for such a time as this. The one thing we must understand, it's not about my big moment in time that I cut my record, that it's my big moment in life. No. It's not being on the main stage. We are here for this time in history, this moment, this day, this hour, this second. Never should we be silent about the things that we're facing. Not at all. Things that concern our children, our youth, our family, abortion, crime, and the list could be endless. You see, if we don't address the things that are touching people's lives today, It's clear evidence that not only are we not aware of what's going on, it shows we really don't care. It shows that we're disconnected from reality. The interesting thing about Jesus, the Bible says Jesus was acquainted with sickness and grief. You know why? He was around people that were sick and grieving. He wasn't hiding out someplace. He was walking through the crowd, touched by the feeling of their infirmities. My, my friend, Pastor Luke Barnett, pastor's Dream City Church in Phoenix, made an interesting statement. He said, if I'm going to live my life, if I'm going to give my life to something, I want to be relevant. I want to connect with today, in essence, is what he's saying. I want to speak to the relevant issues of today. Relevance. Let me break it down. What does being relevant mean? It means that you see something and you speak to it. And the first steps of becoming a Romans 819 people, the people that the world is waiting desperately to show up, are that you see things and you'll address them. But that's only the first step. There's a definition to a word that takes us a little bit further on our journey to be these kind of a people. The definition is this, constituting or bringing about a major or fundamental change. You see, when Jesus came on the scene and Christianity was birthed, friends, we've got to understand the the incredible, topsy-turvy, turning inside out of religion that took place when the real Christianity was birthed, when Jesus came. When we speak to issues after we've seen them, the next step is that we do something. That would be becoming revolutionary. The church at its inception was quite revolutionary. Let's look at the early church description. You're probably familiar with it, but I want to look at Acts chapter 2 and walk through it with you. Is it okay if I walk through a a bunch of scriptures? Thank you very much. (laughs) Acts 2 beginning in verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Have you ever asked yourself, what are we going to do? What should we do? That's a biblically relevant question. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call. You see, the first step to being revolutionary is that you have your life changed by Jesus Christ. 
that you've confessed the fact that you're a sinner and that Jesus paid the price and died for your sins and rose from the dead. That is step number one. Now let's keep going here. When you talk about the early church, this was the foundation. Going into verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Well, there's another phrase that's appropriate for the moment. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day there were 3,000 souls that were added to them. Again, I've always thought, I'm a church planner. I thought it would have been wonderful the first day we started our church if we would have had 3,000 people in New Jersey get saved. (laughs) It didn't happen, but why not? You see, we're talking, we're breaking down what the early church looked like at its beginnings. And if you want to go be biblical with the law first mentioned, It should set the pattern for where we are today. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Many other words he testified, exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They gave themselves to good teaching and fellowship. Boy, you're going to have fellowship Sunday next Sunday. Nancy and I thought, can we come back? The apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread. As I gave my life to the Lord, started in church, I found out church always has something to do with food. Hallelujah. (laughs) End in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul. Many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, divided them amongst all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Boy, the early church was proactive in their faith, in their walk with Christ, in relationship with each other on every level. Interesting. Revolutionary. The Bible tells us God so loved the world. Then he did something. He took action. He sent his son for the remedy of humanity's broken condition. Friends, that would be revolutionary love. He loved. He just didn't feel warm and fuzzy and good and accepted. But he did something. God did something. It's relevant to see issues, and speak to them. But then it becomes revolutionary when you actually do something. Christianity, living by faith, is living and acting like what you believe is really true. Friends, we can talk about poverty and hunger, but can we feed folks? Maybe even have a food pantry. That would be revolutionary. We can talk about the government, but then we go vote. That's revolutionary. Abortion has got to be addressed and spoken and addressed and spoken to. But can we help a girl find a way to keep the child or at least locate a good home? That's revolutionary. We can decry drugs and addiction and alcohol. But to help someone get free and delivered, that's revolutionary. You see, a revolutionary, we provide the tools and help that through the power of the Holy Spirit helps people live a better life that we talk about all day long. In order to be truly revolutionary, we're we're relevant. We see and we speak to and address the things. Then we begin to take some kind of remedial or helpful action. You see, these are the kind of people that the world really needs to see. But there's something underlying being relevant and revolutionary. And the word I want to use is a word that has been misused and misunderstood and used out of context oftentimes. It's the word radical. 
we equate being radical with some fringe outward action, you know, crazy dress and appearance and speech. But when you look at the word, it changes everything. Merriam-Webster Dictionary gives us this definition of the word radical. Relating to or proceeding from a root. In other words, being truly radical and revolutionary is linked to our root and our core beliefs that are firmly embedded inside of us. A true revolutionary is radical at his core. Coming out of the late 60s, there was a group of radical men who uh, became well-known. Well, then, as the days went on, some of them just faded away. Some of them cut their hair, put on a three-piece suit, and went to Congress and were just as radical then as they were on the streets shaking their fists in places like Berkeley and others because it was deep inside of them. So what are our roots and our core? Jesus, in Revelation 21, 16, he said, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. He said, I am the root. What are our roots and core? First and foremost, Jesus Christ, period. Colossians 1.17 says, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. How many of you are glad that Jesus has been in the middle of your life when you feel like everything's going, bah! and it's kind of like He goes, hold on. Absolutely. He said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I've always thought, yes, but Jesus, you're also in the middle too, and I'm happy for that. Jesus is our core. Friends, things are getting pretty muddy, pretty watered down. People are deconstructing their faith. We hear about it one too many, once too many times. I'm in the firm place that we need to really Use the name of Jesus. You know, we're talking about a new Jesus movement today. I was in the first one. It was all about Jesus. God is our Father. I speak about Him. I'll preach about Him. But it was very simply about Jesus. When I talked to somebody, it was about Jesus. It's His name that makes demons tremble. It's His name that brings healing and deliverance and restoration. It's His name that you speak that has some kind of supernatural dimension and power to it. It's the name that God ordained to be upfront and waved, if I can put it in that context. It's the name of Jesus, my friend. I don't want to know that you, you love God. I want to know, are you a follower of Jesus Christ and his disciple? When you use the term God, and again, I'm not Jesus only or anything of that nature, but sometimes people talk about God, and I want to know, is that the car you got in your driveway? Is that your 401K? Is that who you look at across the pillow at night? Is that some kind of thing in your life? It's the name of Jesus. It's the person of Jesus Christ. You say, well, Hankel, you're kind of strange. Yes, I am. <laughs> That's the name. You, I don't want to know that you're spiritual. I want to know once again, are you a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. That sets it apart. The second part of our core and our root is this. The word of God. Period. Uh, friends, all scripture is God-breathed. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, and one version says, and is useful. Yep. How many of you found the word of God useful in your life, your heart, your thinking, your relationships, your marriage, your business, your finances, your health? The word of God. Absolutely. I remember I was preaching years ago and, some, and I was talking about the word of God and I dropped my Bible on the floor and stood on it and somebody got offended. Whatever. Jesus said, sanctify them by thy truth. 
John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. Friends, this is the bottom line foundation for our relationship with God, for anything spiritual. I urge you, spend more time in this than you do searching out spirituality on social media. This is the bottom line. There's all kinds of fruits, nuts, and flakes on social media. And some good folks, too. But this is it, my friend. When I gave my life to Christ, uh, you know, I didn't read much. If it didn't have pictures, I didn't look at it. And matter of fact, the guy gave me a paperback, Amplified New Testament. I knew it was a good book. I, and I told people, I got a good book. It took me three days to open it up and figure out it was a Protestant Bible. So I started to read it. I couldn't understand, like, King James and that stuff. They got me a living Bible, kind of a paraphrase. But you know what? There was enough in that with the power of the Holy Spirit to begin to clean out the nooks and crannies of my fractured brain. Begin to give me direction. The Holy Spirit leading me into all truth. Look, friends, the best version of the Bible, there's a lot of them that are are a lot more uh, accurate for fine study. But find a version of the Bible that you feel God talks to you from and then read it. And then read it. And then read it. A.W. Tozer, man of God from years gone by, made an interesting statement. He said, revival happens when a good percentage of God's people in the church decide to swallow the book. Now, I'm not going to do this. But you know what I'm saying. When a good percentage of God's people in the church decide to swallow the book and let it have its effect on their lives, come what may. How many of you have had the word of God have a profound effect on your life? Fess up right now. Absolutely. Radical. We're radical because of Jesus Christ, because of his word. We're radical because of the clearly stated purpose Jesus intended for us to follow in his revolutionary leading path. He left a pathway for us to follow. It's not up to us. John 17, 18, Jesus said to the Father, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them. I normally don't like us and them situations, but this, in this case, I'm glad to be them. Amen. So what are some of the clearly stated purposes? I go through some of these very foundational things because we're flying off to the left, flying off to the right. We need to be dead center in Christ, anchored in the word, moving according to the will of God to be the people that the world is desperately looking for. Hebrews 10, 7, I have come to do your will. You know what? It's not all about my dreams and my vision and my passion. It's about what God's put in my heart. It's about Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by all the coffee I drank. (laughs) Or all the the music I listened to. The steps of a good man, and that applies to women too, are ordered and directed by the Lord. Lord. Thank you, my brother. I need all the help I can get, and I appreciate it greatly. Thank you. You're helping me preach better. You know, it's funny. Three days after I came to the Lord, I ended up at a youth retreat in a little town in Kansas. It's being held in a Girl Scout house. I don't even know how I got there, honestly. I mean, I've been saved along all this stuff. And when I walked into that youth retreat, there were kids I went to high school with, and they thought the devil had showed up. But I told them, I said, I've really been saved. And there was a young evangelist preaching there. I'm standing in the back. I'd never really been in a service like this before. So I did, I did everything the preacher asked because I hadn't been in church and couldn't be a church rebel. Um, so he preached a sermon. Then he said, come down. So I came down. He said, get down on your knees. I got down on my knees. He said, lift up your hands as if you're lifting up the entirety of your life to Jesus Christ. I said, Lord, here it is. He said, say these words, Lord, here's my life. 
And this is just about verbatim. Lord, here's my life, the good and the bad. Do with it as you will. Then he led me in a prayer that most of you could repeat right now. I'd never heard it, but I said it. Lord, here's my life, the good and the bad. I'll go where you'd have me to go. I'll say what you'd have me to say. I'll do what you'd have me to do. And I'll be what you'd have me to be. My life is yours in Jesus' name. Here's the crazy thing. Jesus was listening. Uh, and that's why I'm here today. I yielded my life to Christ, surrendered myself. He bought and paid for my life. So he has the option to tell me what to do and where to go. To guide and order and direct my steps. It's not about my thing, my ministry, my vision, my dream. It's what God puts in my heart. I know that may challenge some of you. We need to be challenged. We need to be stretched. We need to be changed because the world desperately needs people who are instruments of change and agents of change. You see, I'm I'm passionate. I'm a missionary to America. I'm pleading with you on behalf of the land that most you and I call home. And the funny thing with it is, the Lord called me to what people might call an evangelist. I don't know if I have the gift of evangelism, but I made a decision in the very beginning of my Christian walk to include it as a part of my life. I just thought it was normal Christian living. Lord, your will. I need to keep going here. Uh, John 10, 10, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. How many of you are glad that you can receive the life of God here at River Rock Church? Yeah. Amen. You want to be proponents of life? Smile at people every now and again. I go to River Rock Church. Pastor Rick is a great teacher. Joanne is a wonderful lady of God. God blesses me there. You bless you, man. You look like you need a psychiatrist or a plastic surgeon. You need help. Look like you've got something worth spreading. Not a disease. <laughs> life. This is a life-giving church. I'll keep moving. For this reason, the Son of God, see, these, this is part of the lead Jesus intends us to follow. Hey, for this reason, the Son of God was manifested, or the Son of God showed up, Amen. that he might destroy the works of the devil, 1 John 3, 8. Yep. Where does that start? How about this? Whatever the devil is for, I'm against no compromise, no middle ground, no dipping and dabbing. Amen. Secondly, this, next this, that we clean up our heart and our life. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm just talking about having your heart and life right with God. If you attempt to fight the devil and your life's not right with God, you're going to get busted in the head. You're going to get run over. You're going to not have any victory over the devil when your heart and your life's not right with God the devil has legal grounds to mess with you we can engage I'm just telling you practically some people go I'm going to fight the devil I don't think so <laughs> not like that we can engage the enemy through prayer and intercession and empowered worship and praise. Not just cool licks with hot religious lyrics. We know the difference. Thank you, Jeremy. We can engage the enemy successfully by leading people to Jesus Christ. How many of you, when you got saved, maybe there were less drugs in your neighborhood? Maybe children were no longer abused. Maybe bills got paid on time. Maybe you, you stopped being a crooked businessman and conducted your business righteously and God blessed it. That is the fruit of effective spiritual warfare when you lead somebody to Jesus Christ. My friend who lives in this city, Nikki Cruz, a warlord in Brooklyn, New York, when he got saved, there was a ripple effect on street gang warfare in New York City. 
his gang had declared war on the New York Police Department. Jesus said, I've come into the world as a light. Then he turns around and says, you're the light of the world. You are a carrier and a bringer of hope. Remember, the birth of Jesus was supernatural. Sometimes we stray away from the strength of these truths of our faith. Talking to a man one time on the riverfront in Milwaukee, and lakefront, and, and he looked at me and said, son, look. He said, uh, this is modern America. Do you actually expect me to believe that babies come from virgins? I said, sir, you don't have to believe in a lot of them. Just one. <laughs> His birth was supernatural. His life was sinless. He faced everything that you and I would ever face, yet did not give in. What a path to follow. Beyond that, he changed religion forever. He was revolutionary. He was deemed dangerous. His resurrection defeated something most mankind fears and dreads. That's death. His presence is so overwhelming. The story of John in the book of Revelation, when he was put out of society and they put him on Patmos, a man who was deemed a danger and a menace to society, when he came in the presence of Jesus, he fell at his feet as though dead because the presence of Jesus was so overwhelming, so powerful, so intense. That many that follow our Lord and Savior have gone to prison have lost their lives because of their faith. Do we forget this is part of who we are and what we're about? It's not just, oh, I love Jesus. Are you serious? When somebody says, well, Jesus died for my sins, you got to be kidding me. How many of you are grateful for what Jesus has done? I, I, I have two growing grandsons. One night, they spent the night at my house. And in the morning, we didn't have any breakfast food. So that means I go to McDonald's. And I get my car. And I, you know how it works at McDonald's. You pull up. You place your order in the box. In that case, I was getting the two big what's, what's a pancake, hey, bacon, all the big breakfasts. They said, pay at the first window. So I go up to the first window. And the lady says, the fellow in that truck up there paid for your breakfast. So I hung my head out the window, I didn't recognize the truck. I had plenty of money to buy breakfast at McDonald's. But I looked out the window, didn't recognize the truck, so I did this. Thank you! I wanted him to hear me throughout the parking lot. I was grateful for McDonald's. My friends, I am... I am so grateful for what Jesus has done in my life. Look, whether you were a drug addict, gang member tattooed on the back of a Harley and smelled like a sewer, or you were sophisticated, squeaky clean religious with Chanel number no. five rolling in, excuse me, driving a Bentley. Jesus has transformed your life. Are you grateful? Do we take it for granted? My wife and I, in our morning devotions, it off, we often start at, Lord, we're so thankful. Amen. We don't feel, you know, it's not that we're condemned. We go, God, what you've taken two kids that were broken, and, and what you've done is absolutely amazing. And we express our gratitude to the Lord every day. Friends, the world is waiting in eager expectation. For people who aren't deaf, dumb, and blind, but that see things and they're willing to address them and talk about them. And not only will they talk, 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 talk. I don't like to go to meetings where all they do is talk about stuff, but they never do anything. But we will see, we'll speak, and then we'll do something. And we do it not just because it's what you do, and it's cool, and it's hip, and we're going with the crowd because of what's going on on the inside of us. Because Jesus, the Son of the living God, lives inside of me. He's forgiven me. His word is the guidance and the director of my life to the best of my ability. I love the fact that sometimes I can wake up in the middle of the night or in my sleep and I'm wrestling with something. All of a sudden, the scripture rises in my brain to combat it. I'm not saying anything special. Uh, 
you got to put something in in order for it to come up. <laughs> but see, the world is looking for people like that. I mean, just as we've been here, I shared it this morning. We've just been here a couple of days doing a quick hit and run in the area. The other day, we were, we were in the springs and we we're driving around. So we need to get something to eat. We're going, we go here, do we go here? Do we go? No, no, let's go in. Let's pull in here. We sit down, we order food, and the young lady is serving us. We begin to talk to her. She begins to unfold the challenges, the difficulty in her life. Her daughter with uh, brain challenges and other things. And she says she's a believer. And so we just began to talk with her. Nancy ministered to her. We began to pray with her right there. We were just going, well, where do we eat? I don't know. Let's go in here, in essence. You see, the world is waiting for people to show up in everyday life. Friends, the greatest things in my life are not the outreaches and the crusades and all that stuff that we're involved in. I'm grateful that the Lord allows us to do that. I'm an introvert. I really don't fit the picture for an evangelist. But I just surrender my life. But the greatest things in my life are things like that. When I was, I'm helping a friend with some paperwork uh, in his life and a resume thing, and, and I'm reading through it, and I'm going, you know, I just need to call him and forget the... And so I call him on his cell phone. His wife picks up the phone. And says, Scott, I'm glad you called. He had a massive heart attack yesterday. And he said, I'm in the hospital. She said, I'm in the hospital. Well, let me put you on speakerphone if you want to. And so I prayed for him and shared with him on the phone. These things, because I'm a Christian. Not because of any five-fold thing at all. You know, I'm just going to throw this out here. Don't chase the title. Just do the stuff. Yeah. Don't try to make your life fit into a pigeonhole of some sort. Just do what Jesus puts in front of you. Then when I go to heaven, I don't expect to hear, well done, thou good and faithful evangelist. <laughs> no, what I want to hear is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Friends, the world is waiting in eager expectation for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. The fact that your pastor unfolded his five-fold vision based on the hand Nancy and I were going, that's tremendous, Rick. Joanne, friends, it's not just his vision that he dreamed up uh, behind his desk or computer. It's what the Lord put in his heart, not just for his own entertainment and edification, but this is the heart and purpose of River Rock Church to make a difference here. The world is waiting in eager expectation for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. In a moment, I'm going to ask those of you who say, Scott, today I want to make the commitment to be that kind of a person that I will be relevant to my time. You just pay a little attention to what's going on around you. And then you can speak to it, to people's lives. There's people struggling with everything we refuse to look at on the news. But you can say something to make a difference. Then you can begin to, to do something. Wow. It's not just that, but you can be a part of reaching your own city here this summer. And if you do that, it will, it will infuse a fresh fire and passion year-round for what's going on here at River Rock Church. Uh, Nobody asked me to do this. I just believe in this city, and I believe in my friend Mario that I just wanted to help see God do something greater through you. In a moment, I'm going to ask for those of you that would say, Scott, once again, I want to identify as a person who's relevant, who's revolutionary, but I am radical because of Christ and his word, and I choose to follow in his path with the grace of God. So in a moment, I'm going to ask those of you to make that kind of commitment. And I warn you, when you do that, God will be watching and listening. Just as I shared that illustration of over 53 years ago when I made that little commitment, that's why I'm here today. But before I do that, I must ask you, are you here today? And you say, Scott, all of that is pretty good, but I have to be really honest. My heart and my life really isn't right with God. Not here to condemn you, because this is the moment that all of that changes and, trans and is transformed if you make a choice. You say, Scott, 
you know, I, I'm a Christian, but man, it's been difficult. The last couple of years, I realize they've really tried people's faith. It may have been last week. And you know you've drifted. Maybe you've drifted away from your first love with Christ. This is the day to return to that and make that right. It can also be going to church never made anybody a Christian. Any more than if you live in a garage, you become a car. And what I'm opening the door for you to do is I've set a banqueting table of the goodness and the great things of God and the power of God to change your life. And you say, Scott, I want to make my heart, my life right with God, either for the first time or maybe a renewal of your commitment to Christ. I'm going to ask everyone here to close your eyes for just a moment. Everyone in the building, please do that. And if you say, Scott, that's me. I need to make my heart and my life right with God. And I want you to know Jesus is, is saying, come to me if you're weary, if you're laboring in life, if you're overwhelmed. He said, I'll give you rest and refreshment for your soul as you make your heart and life right with me. Well, if that's you, say, I need to make my heart and my life right with God for the first time or renewed time. Would you just put your right hand up for a moment? No one else is looking around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's no reason to be ashamed. Thank you. Thank you. This is, a, this is a place where people are loved, where the Spirit of God is here, the goodness of God is here. I'm going to ask you if you raise your hand to stand to your feet with me. Why am I doing that? Not to embarrass you, but as you stand, it's going to be like punching the devil right in the nose because you're saying, I'm going to make a stand for Christ. I'm standing against the enemy. And as a church family, we're going to pray together with you right now. And God is going to breathe the fresh breath and wind of his spirit into your life. Let's pray together, church family, with our friends here right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness and loving kindness. You paid the price on the cross for my sins, for everything wrong. I've ever done against you and other people. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. You proved your love for me by dying, by being buried, and rising again. You've proved you have the power to bring hope and strength and forgiveness to my life. I thank you for that, Lord. I give my life to you 100%. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, the second commitment I want to call for is this. You say today, Scott, I want to be a Romans 8, 19 person. I choose to allow those words, being relevant and revolutionary and radical, to be defining points in my life by the help of God. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. If you would make that commitment, I choose to be a Romans 8, 19 people. I want to be the person that the world is waiting for. I choose to show up. I choose to be involved. You know, I made, I made up my mind a long time ago. I didn't want to live my life telling other people's stories. Not that it's wrong to share testimonies of others, but with God, I just want you to do something with my life. And I believe this is a very proactive church at its heart and its foundations and its continuance. Then I'm going to ask you to lift up your hands as if you're lifting up the entirety of your life to Jesus Christ. And we're going to pray this together right now. And, and I warn you, as you pray this declaration and commitment, the Lord is listening. And then as you extend your faith to believe him for divine appointments, that he will lead and guide you as the word says, things will take place. Let's pray out loud, loud enough to rattle the projectors up on the ceiling. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness and loving kindness. You've done more for me than I could ever deserve. You held nothing back from me. I hold nothing back from you. Here is the entirety of my life. I will go where you'd have me to go. I will say what you'd have me to say. I will be what you'd have me to be, and I will do what you'd have me to do. The term relevant, revolutionary, and radical 
Let them be defining points in my life. In Jesus' name. Now let's give God an expression of thanks. Lord, we honor you. We love you today. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Father, today I thank you that as we continue on, that you're king and you're Lord and you're doing a great work. You know, I want to give a call that I gave at the school the other day. And there was a miraculous response. And it's this. You know, every one of us should share our faith. Every Christian. God provides the power. But then there's those of you that you have an itch in your soul, and the only way it scratches is by telling unsaved people about Jesus. Kind of like, you've got to do this. You want to do this. This is kind of a, 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 a thing inside of you. You're called to be an evangelist. Now, when you say evangelist, sometimes people think of a guy like Bonky with great crowds or a guy on a street corner preaching. Those are two very valid expressions, but they're really the small of the expression of that gift. And if I just described you, I'm going to ask you, I love right hands. Raise your right hand with me. If I've just described you, you've got an itch in your soul, and it's the only way it scratches by telling unsaved people about Jesus. Some people, when they hear that, they go, I never knew that. Yes. Put that hand up high. Matter of fact, come up here right now. I want to just pray over you. I'm going to touch you in the name of Jesus. I'm not ordaining you or anointing you. This wasn't planned, but it was by the Lord. I'm going to ask you to move quickly. As quick as you can. Come up. No, come right up here. Come right up here. I'll even put a breath man in so I don't hurt anybody. <laughs> you see, you are the ones that God has called to run point in spreading the gospel. You are the ones that can encourage other people. You are the ones that next Saturday, you're going to go out and terrorize hell. I've been in this city. I understand. But Father, I want you to just put your hands up to the Lord and thank you. And I'm going to go down the line to the best of my ability and touch most, if not all of you. But Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that the Spirit of the Lord is upon these men and women. You've anointed them to preach good news. Father, they may have never known this before, but today is the day we call it out. We identify it, God, because you have placed them here and now. Lord, there are places to go, people to, for them to encounter, Lord, lives for them to touch. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that there will be a fire burning in their bones that they cannot contain. Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you will, you, you will birth creativity to communicate the gospel as never before. Father, I thank you that, that being timid will just disappear. Lord, I thank you that the righteous are as bold as a lion. Father, you will grace us with wisdom, Father, and anointing. God, you'll open doors for them to speak and bring your life in your word. God, healing will flow through hands, oh God. I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, oh God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. This is probably one of the most misunderstood gifts of the body of Christ. And yet... God still calls people whether people understand or not. I commission you to go as you've never gone before. My life verse is this, and with this I'm going to sit down. It's Acts 20, 24, out of the new living. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. People have asked me, I'm only 39 years old with a lot of extra shipping and handling. <laughs> friends, my models, I have two dear friends who are 85 years old and are blowing it out around the world. These are my models in case any of you are wrestling with that number factor. 
The time is short. We are here for such a time as this. You're here for this moment. You came today. You're part of this church. If not, you should be. But this city needs the Jesus that dwells inside of you. Men and women here need to be encouraged by the fire and the passion inside of you. Father, I thank you for this privilege of being here and being a part of this church. God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your purpose. I thank you for what you're raising up that the gates of hell will not prevail against. Jesus, thank you. We honor you. We love you. Bless these folks. Cover their home, their life, their family. Father, provide for them. Lord, open doors for them that would blow them away. That's my prayer. Even within the next 24 hours. We honor you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. By the way, don't forget that QR code in the back. So I feel like the Lord's telling a lot of people, um, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And he wants you to be bold and confident in sharing the faith. And don't let the enemy tell you that you're not, that you don't have the power or the boldness or the courage to share the gospel because he will make you bold if you just step out and do what he calls you to do. As Pastor Scott was telling us, it's to be relevant. One of my heroes in the Bible is Micaiah, and he always said the truth no matter what happened. And 3 John, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Truth without love is brutality. Love with, truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. We're his hands and feet. We're supposed to be the, the image of Jesus that people will see who do not know God. Let's be who he wants us to be.